Ой, дівчина по рибі ходила, в зеленому гаю заблудила. А я чорнява нічки, не спала нічки, не спала, здолею уяла. А я чорнява нічки, не спала нічки, не спала, здолею уяла. Ой, козачі молоді кутяю, вийдіть мене зеленого гаю. А я чорнява нічки, не спала нічки, не спала, здолею уяла. Edmonton, Alberta, that was UB from their CD Homebrew, and a song about a girl picking mushrooms. Dobry večer, šanovni radio sluhači, ta vitaju vas vsih na radio peredaču Naš Holos, radio Krinskoho Korinja. Kotra podeci vam, jak svičajno, što subote o šosti hodeni, na bahatumovni radio stanci AM 1320 CHMB u misti Vancouveri. Pri mikrofoni, Pavlina Demčuk-Makvari, djakuju što ve bile sluhačama srednji večeri, tarišala je prebuta zimnoju nastupnu hodenu, me majmo dožiti kavi novene na srednjišnji programi. Hello there and welcome to Naš Holos Ukraine. 
Union Roots Radio here on AM 1320 CHMB Vancouver. I'm your host, Paula Demchik Macquarie, Pokadinska Pavlina, and I am delighted to have you with me. We've got a great program lined up for you. Today we have Jewish Heritage, which takes a look at a different type of tourism. As well, Kanishka Corner with a book review. Our usual proverb of the week, other items of interest, and great Ukrainian music. And coming up next is a Ukrainian folk group, or folk rock group, I guess, from Poland. They're called Horpina. Here they are with the classic Ukrainian folk song, Pid Manula, Pid Vela, You Deceived Me. Ти ж мене, 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 
Since 1963, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding initiatives that strengthen our Ukrainian-Canadian identity and enhance our Ukrainian-Canadian cultural heritage to benefit all Canadians. By the foresight and generosity of its donors, the Shochenko Foundation has been funding fine and performing arts and arts groups, museums, cultural centers, education, as well as authors, journalists, and the Ukrainian-Canadian media, including this program. Our Legacy, Your Tomorrow is the Shochenko Foundation's first major capital fundraising campaign, and listeners of this program are encouraged to support the Foundation's efforts to increase funding for artists, organizations, and initiatives in education, cultural heritage, and community development. You can make a lasting impact on the community by helping the Foundation's Our Legacy, Your Tomorrow campaign meet its fundraising goal of $20 million. For donation options, visit OurLegacyYourTomorrow.com. For more information about the programs supported by the Foundation, visit ShevchenkoFoundation.ca.
Ukrainian folk song performed by Luhansky Kozakia. That was Hey Vedno Solo. Hey, there is a village. And um, Solo is where there's a fantastic uh, Ukrainian festival going on in the heart of Canada in Dauphin, Manitoba, just outside the city at their Solo. And uh, some of the artists that will be appearing there are Trimbita and Sluhai. We have two songs. Uh, uh, by those two groups for you coming up next. Um, Trimbita's from Edmonton, Sluhai's from Winnipeg. And here they are now. Trimbita with Yuki Greek Wedding, followed by Sluhai with Oipoyichau Nash Ivan. There went our Johnny. Trimbita and Sluhai. Oh 
Kolla med en SP Till Kessel och Petaglio Jag är två gängiga Jag är Marička Marička kallar kakarnas dotter i Kolovas Hej hoppa och kaka hoppa Pissila hoppa Ola
husku svojim ili odana, odana, na Žika husku nadi dva letaj da kume zalacjala Žika husku nadi dva letaj da kume zalacjala for a look at Ukraine's rich Jewish heritage, then and now, brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. Welcome to Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. I'm Peter Bager. Let's take a moment to consider dark tourism. The concept is elastic and quite multifaceted, and it has a distinguished historic pedigree. Evidently, there are assertions that Thomas Cook, yes, the Thomas Cook that founded the famous International Travel Agency, took people to see public hangings in England with some of his very first tour groups in the 19th century. And there is even an academic institute for dark tourism in England that promotes ethical research research into a social scientific understanding of sites of death and disaster, and how these sites have or can become tourist sites, whether appropriate or inappropriate. The world offers so many options for dark tourism. The horrifying, like now-visitor throng concentration camps. The easily accessible, like Ground Zero at the 9-11 memorials in Lower Manhattan the far-flung and harder to reach, like the haunting ruins of lovely ancient Armenian churches in the isolated reaches of what is now northeastern Turkey. 
Reflecting on those runes also brings up uncomfortable questions on what happened to those people who once worshipped in those churches. Reflecting on those runes also brings up uncomfortable questions on what happened to those people who once worshipped in those churches. There is also the edgy. People are usually impressed when you've told them you were able to tour the radioactive zone around Chernobyl. Which brings us to the endless supply of dark tourist sites in Eastern Europe, and specifically Ukraine. The first edition of Ruth Ellen Gruber's book, Jewish Heritage Travel, A Guide to Eastern Europe, was published 25 years ago. This was the first, and is still considered the most complete Jewish travel guide to the region. Gruber has tracked Jewish cultural developments in Europe for three decades and writes often on Jewish heritage, revival, and tourism in post-communist Europe. In her 2012 book, Virtually Jewish, Reinventing Jewish Culture in Europe, she used the term, quote, virtually Jewish, unquote, to describe the way so-called, quote, Jewish space, unquote, in Europe is often filled by non-Jews. When Gruber began her work back in 1989, almost any visit to a Jewish heritage site could be considered a form of dark tourism. But she has carefully noted the evolution of this tourism and what is happening today. Gruber believes there have been dramatic changes. There are still many neglected ruins. Many sites and experiences remain deeply troubling and tragic. But so much more new information is now available. Scholars, governments, tour guides, and cultural and heritage entrepreneurs have opened up tremendous new travel opportunities. Gruber has been traveling and lecturing in Ukraine, most recently at the Center for Urban History of East Central Europe in Lviv. She spoke on the changes in Jewish heritage travel over the last 25 years. Gruber also visited Jewish heritage sites in more than 10 towns near Lviv to observe conditions and note changes. She coordinates the website www.jewishheritageeurope.eu that recently reported new developments in the town of Brody. In 1939, Jews made up around 10,000 of the 18,000 people who live there. Fewer than 100 are believed to have survived the Holocaust. The historic fortress synagogue in the town, built in the 1740s, was heavily damaged in the Second World War. The ruins have towered over the market square in the center of town for decades. Recently, new signage in Ukrainian and English has been installed at the site to describe the building and explain the important Jewish history of the town. A tourist brochure on Jewish Brody has also been published and can be downloaded. This is all part of a now larger effort to highlight the town's multicultural history, a history previously ignored. These initiatives are part of a project carried out by the NGO CRAI, or LAND. They are within the framework of CHOICE, Cultural Heritage Opportunity for Improving Civic Engagement. This is a broader project funded by the European Union and the Association of Local Democracy Agencies of France. But Gruber sees long-term preservation of the ruins as an issue that will have to be eventually considered. Ruth Ellen Gruber's long-term monitoring of Jewish heritage travel in Eastern Europe reveals the complex and often still unresolved issues 
surrounding memory and appropriate commemoration. And she reminds us that increasingly mainstream travel itineraries will bring visitors to reflect on, as she writes, the dark with the destination. This has been Ukrainian Jewish Heritage on Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio. From San Francisco, I'm Peter Baker. Until next time, Shalom. Ukrainian Jewish Heritage is brought to you by the Ukrainian Jewish Encounter based in Toronto, Ontario. To find out more about their work, visit their website and follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Transcripts and audio files of this and earlier broadcasts of Ukrainian Jewish Heritage are available at their website, ukrainianjewishencounter.org, as well as at the Nasholos website, www.nasholos.com. This is CHMB AM 1320, Vancouver. You're listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio on AM 
returned popular Ukrainian songstress Oksana Bilazir with a traditional Ukrainian welcoming song, Green Grows Their Eye, Oi Zelenei Zheto. And before them, you heard Michael Alpert and Julian Katasti, a Ukrainian-Jewish duo who have recorded um, and actually produced a, an interesting cross-cultural project called Night Songs from a Neighboring Village, and uh, this that song prior to this one you just heard is from that album, and it's a medley of uh, Yiddish and Ukrainian folk songs that sound have very similar melodies, <laughs> and uh, the Yiddish was Siz Galiman, and the Ukrainian was well, Ukrainian one was Ususi Dachatabila, uh, the neighbor's white house, which is actually a song that I remember my grandmother singing when I was a uh, very young child. Well, coming up next, speaking of neighbors and green rye growing and all that sort of thing um, and festivals, <laughs> probably at any Ukrainian festival you'll find uh, this particular dish, the ubiquitous pierogi, and here is High Profile from Winnipeg now singing their version of Iserum Pereja cottage cheese pierogies. Я раз постеши, по межі терне, і зліба я дучено, що не зло пироги. Чучула, чула, чула, чучула, чула те, і зліба я дучено, що не зло пироги. Дуча моя кохане, чи жаєш мої сни, що я тебе кохаю, і сіром пироги. Чула, 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 чула те, що я тебе кохаю, і сіром пироги. Дівчина, як почула, козацький мрізне, Ту зразу запросила на свіжі пироги. Чучула, чула, чула, чучула, чула те, ту зразу запросила на свіжі пироги. І як його діждатись, що з левої пори, дівча його зелюя, а він їсть пироги. Чучула, чула, чула, чучула, чула те, Чула, 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 чула,
Corner book reviews by Myra Junik. Ukrainian stories in English. In this edition of Knishka Corner, we will be discussing communism and hunger, the Ukrainian, Chinese, Kazakh, and Soviet famines in comparative perspective, edited by Andrea Graziosi and Frank Sisin. Communism and Hunger is a collection of scholarly articles examining the similarities and differences of the pan-Soviet famine of 1931-33, the Ukrainian Holodomor, the Kazakh Great Hunger, and the famine in China in 1958-62. The articles were written by scholars who presented their papers at a 2014 conference organized by the Holdemod Research and Education Consortium. Whatever the economic motivations, the famines were also political events, requiring political analysis of their causes and courses. The first three articles in this collection examine the specific causes, events, and results of the famines. Nicholas Wirth examines the man-made famines in the USSR from 1928 to 33, which killed between 6.5 to 7 million people, 4.2 million in Ukraine and the Kuban, 1.5 million in Kazakhstan, and more than a million throughout the rest of the Soviet Union. Stalin considered peasant resistance to his economic policies as a war on the Soviet Union. Worth describes the forced collectivization in Ukraine in brutal terms. The total confiscation of land and livestock from village communities, the harsh restriction of ownership of domestic animals, and the peasants' loss of control over the distribution of the harvest resulted in wholesale starvation. At the height of the Holodomor, between January and July 1933, between 15,000 and 20,000 people died every day 
in silence and total abandonment. Sarah Cameron's article on the Kazakh famine of 1930-33 examines Stalin's efforts to collectivize the nomadic population, which resulted in wholesale starvation. As archival information has become more available, the research on this horrific event has increased. The third article by Zhu Jun examines the Great Famine of 1958-62 to in China, which claimed millions of lives as a result of Mao Zedong's effort to make China an industrial communist utopia. The subsequent three articles are comparative studies of the use of hunger as a weapon in communist regimes in the 20th century. The similarities are striking political reasons for man-made famines, official denials to the world about the famines while they were occurring, and striking consequences for those impacted by the famines. All the scholars are united in calling for more research on these important historical events. The articles in this book relied on recent increased access to archives and the efforts of the international scholarly community to release information about the use of hunger as a political and economic tool by communist governments in the 20th century. These governments believed that by creating politically motivated famines, they could manipulate populations under their control. The statistics of the various famines have been hotly contested for their accuracy, mostly because of political propaganda. The most shocking aspect of this collection of articles is that the world community allowed these famines to occur without intervention. Whole populations starved to death while the world community ignored their plight. The individual articles in this scholarly book about how hunger was used as an economic and political tool by communist governments are very enlightening. There are extensive and detailed footnotes, which will definitely be useful to scholars pursuing further research on these topics. While the Ukrainian Holodomor was not the only focus of this text, readers will learn a great deal about the horrific events in their historical context. Communism and hunger is definitely meant for scholars of world history. However, all readers interested in the history of the Ukrainian Holodomor will definitely enjoy this book. The book was edited by Andrea Graziosi, president of the Italian National Agency for the Evaluation of Universities and Research, and a professor of history at the Università di Napoli, Federico II, and Frank E. Sissin, director of the Peter Yatsik Center for Ukrainian Historical Research, Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies, and a professor at the Department of History, and classics at the University of Alberta. Communism and Hunger is available at the Canadian Institute of Ukrainian Studies Press. Thanks, Myra. Join us again soon for another edition of Kanishka Corner, book reviews by Myra Junik, here on Nasholos Ukrainian Roots Radio.
experimental group from Ukraine called Troya Zilia, which means three herbs, and that is an offshoot of the Cherry Band. And they hail from Ukraine. I had the good fortune to meet them in Lviv back in November of 2014. And coming up next, something a little more traditional, at least to the Canadian prairies. Here is the By Request Band from Steinbeck, Manitoba with the Honeysuckle Waltz. Listening to Nash Holos Ukrainian Roots Radio, our flagship show in Vancouver, which comes to you Saturdays from 6 to 7 p.m. here on AM 1320 CHMB on the radio dial and online at am1320.com. If you miss the live radio transmissions of the show, you can get the podcast later. Just visit our website where you can subscribe to the podcast feed or download the links, and that's www.nashholos.com. There's also a link there to our Patreon site, and I hope you'll consider following and engaging with me there, as well as supporting the show. Incidentally, you can also support the show at no cost through the Amazon links found at the Nash Holos website. Again, that's www.nashholos.com. I love to hear from you, so please send in your suggestions, dedications, and requests. Your comments are always welcome. Ale 
kto soviste nemaje, toi i pravde neznaje. And our proverb of the week translates as, he who has no conscience knows not truth. And with that, we've come to the end of our program. To wrap things up, we have Romko from Edmonton, Alberta, with Canada's National Kolomeka. I'm Pavlina, on behalf of all of us here at Nash Holos and AM 1320, thanks for listening, and Dobranich! Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.